You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Good afternoon, Bobo. How are you doing today? Good, Cliff. How's it going with you? It's going all right. I'm just upstairs at the museum. We got some customers downstairs. It's a beautiful day. It's supposed to be like 80 degrees today or something. Uh, it's a long time coming. A long time coming. Summer's just around the corner. What's going on with you? Summer's here, too, on the coast. I've got long underwear on, thick jacket. <laughs> yeah. Is it a steamy 53 degrees outside? Yeah, something like that. North wind, cold wind. Yeah, well, that's what you get for living on the coast, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anything squatchy going on right now? Yeah, well, I can't really share any details. Well, I'm, I'm working on those documentaries. One of them's uh, the historical Sasquatch kind of stuff. The other one's, uh, well, kind of modern tied into today. I'm still working on all that. It's a big permitting process I'm working on. Good. I'm glad you're doing it above board, though, man. Yeah. Too many people go out and film these things without getting any permits whatsoever, or even realizing they need one. Yeah, I found out ignorance is no excuse for breaking the law, so now I'm doing the permitting thing. Oh, I'm so 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 sorry that you're not as happy as before because ignorance <laughs> is bliss. Yeah. And I'm the happiest guy I know. Well, you know, this past weekend was a great weekend. Uh, I don't know what you did, but I went out to Tennessee for the um, Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Festival. Lucky. Oh, man, it was so cool. So rad. It was what a neat job. I mean, I love doing jobs like this. You know, And I, I hope our listeners understand, for Bobo and I, these are gigs. These are jobs where we go out, and this is part of the way we make our living. It's not just about having fun. We're just lucky to be able to make a living it's on work. something that's a lot of fun. It is work, but it's also fun. Yeah, I mean, I come home just so drained. Like, it's because everyone wants your energy, so you're just giving your energy, 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 and you come back just drained. Yeah, it's exhausting. And this was a particularly exhausting weekend because it was such a quick turnaround for me. You know, like a Friday, I flew out. It was a six a.m. flight, and because I live so far out in the woods, I have to wake up at three. You know, I actually wake up at three and like leave by three thirty, get to the airport by a little after four. Because it's 45 minutes or 50 minutes to the airport. So get to the airport at 4 or 4.30. Luckily, I have TSA pre-check, so I can get a waltz past the line. So that's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, then hopping on a plane and got at the middle seats, too, all the way out in both flights. Oh, I wouldn't even, I won't do that. It's my contract. I'm not getting on the plane. If I have a middle seat coach, I'm just, I'm not doing it. Yeah, well, I I, I I was gonna go out and do my job, you know. So I went out there. It was a long flight, and of course, with the time change, I, I land at the place I'm gonna stay, which was a really nice place, by the way, a, a fantastic cabin, um, and it was in Townsend, Townsend, uh, Tennessee, um, which is rad. And and Bobo, you've been there. Um, do you remember that day when we were filming one of the Tennessee episodes, and we had a day off, and it was summer? That's where it was. It was there, in the same stretch. No way. God, I was so jealous because you know I love me some Tennessee, especially East Tennessee. I mean, that that's dude, that's the top spot, man. I, I just love it there. And I, I was jelly when you got together and I didn't. Oh, it was a great gig. And of course, a lot of the people, I mean, people are out there just fantastic. Love those guys. Um, Tim Burchett came out. He did? He did. Yeah. I, I, you know, Tim, of course, is in the House of Representatives. Uh, um, when we filmed Finding Bigfoot, he was the mayor of Knox County. Um, and now he's in the House of Representatives. Uh, and yeah, so uh, I, I sent him a text like, hey, I'm going to be out in the neighborhood if you can come on up. And he did. 
He did. Uh, he dropped by and listened to, I did a Q&A for about an hour, hour and a half with um, a bunch of people, you know, about audience of about 300 people maybe. Um, and Tim was there and, and he shared with me a couple of things like the UFO stuff that they're going to drop in June is really interesting. He shared that with me. He's just a good guy. You know, I don't exactly agree with his politics. He's certainly far more right than I am. But um, man, what a lovely guy. I just, and it just kind of shows that we should not let politics divide us. We can think different things and still be cool people. I love that guy. He's great. Love that guy. Yeah. And a guy, he, he's into, he's into like organic gardening and he, he makes skateboards, makes skateboards out of like organic bamboo. Yeah. It doesn't sound like the right wing guy that uh, everybody likes to portray people as, you know, but um, yeah, organic this and that and skateboards. If I had a better manager, I would have been out there with you on for that. Well, I think that's that perhaps that's a good introduction because um, we do have a we do have your manager on board here, and I suppose you, that's a good way to to open the the show. Maybe we can like uh, clear the air here. Yeah, Lee Kirkland, welcome to Bigfoot and Beyond. It sounds like Bobo's got a beef with you. What's up, guys? I want some Tennessee. Uh, man, I tried everywhere in the world to get you into that show, and but they said the uh, the only time or the only way they could get you out was if <laughs> if you drove out in like a uh, a horse and buggy. <laughs> i'll ride in the cattle car yeah you get the middle seat there too though yeah oh well, anyway for everybody who doesn't know lee lee is, yeah he, he he does manage bobo and i as far as our personal appearances go um you know conferences and all that sort of stuff but he is so much more um he is a paranormal investigator of all sorts of things he loves the bigfoot subject he he, he loves the ghost thing he's into pretty much everything he's one of the founding people of the nick groff tour and 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 i don't even know how far back lee's roots go into this kind of weird subject matter that we're into so i'll just ask Lee. Lee, tell us about yourself, man, because I, I know you as a brother, but I don't know your background as perhaps as well as I should. How did you get into all this stuff and how deep are you? Because ne- neck deep, as far as I can tell. It, it is. It's, you know, I've been involved with this kind of stuff, uh, all things paranormal since I was a child. Um, I, I guess what kind of started it all was I did grow up in a just an extremely haunted house. And so, uh, like I grew up terrorized in my house. It wouldn't stay there by myself. Uh, I mean, it was just, uh, it was torturous. But as I got older, I kind of wanted to, to learn more about it. So I started doing more research, you know, started trying to learn more about, you know, how things actually existed and, and try, to, try to find out, you know, what this stuff actually was. And then that kind of just led me into, you know, the UFO track and the cryptid track. And, and uh, you know, once I became an adult and started putting forth the effort, you know, things just kind of uh, started to evolve. And, and after that, with some luck, I've been very fortunate uh, in the entire field. I just got to jump right in because this is why one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show this whole time was that you, without trying, had one of the, you're the first person that changed my mind. Well, not completely changed my mind, but I mean, well, I mean, I was kind of starting to acknowledge like maybe there's something here, but we're talking to you is the, the first time when I quote you a lot of someone that saw a dog man that I knew and trusted. Man, I, I don't, you know, I was 15 years old and, uh, you know, I can just start with the story. I, did I think I saw something? I know that I saw something. Um, was it a dog man? You know, as I've gotten older and, and started to research more of these cryptids and stuff, I, I do believe that that's what it was. Um, at the time, I didn't know what it was. Like, it didn't register. I, I just knew there was something in front of us. But I was about 15. Uh, we were driving down a, a back road. I was with my girlfriend's older sister at the time. And um, 
we just turned a little curve and man, I can, I can take you to the exact spot. The very interesting spot of, of if I was a Sasquatch, that's where I'd cross the road. I don't know what dog men prefer. It was coming like out of some woods and, you know, just, it was just perfect area. Like what you said. And, and I was looking off to the right and she slammed on the brakes and she did the whole mom check, you know, where she reached across to kind of keep me from, from going forward. And when I swung around and looked, this, this creature was standing right in front of us, maybe, maybe 10 feet from the front of the car. You know, I grew up Presbyterian Christian. And, and so, you know, my first thought was, man, I'm seeing a demon in front of me. So this thing stood probably seven feet tall. It was kind of hunched over just a little bit. And the best way I could describe it was that it looked like a lion kind of standing up on its back legs. Like the back legs were like a dog shape. Um, it had a mane, like the shoulders and hair and, and or shoulders and neck were all covered in like longer hair. The, the front arms were kind of drawn up to his chest. It had a long tail. I know I've heard of other dogmen sightings that they said they didn't have a tail. Uh, this had a tail. It was very evident. This thing was stopped in the road and it crouched down and looked into the car, like into the front windshield. And so as she started screaming, she put it in reverse and started backing up to turn around in the, in the nearest drive there. And I was just watching this thing. And as she started backing up, it walked on across the road and then kind of disappeared over into the field. But the walking wasn't, it wasn't smooth. It was very labored. Like it wasn't supposed to be walking up on two legs. Um, the best way I can describe the, the, the walk was kind of like the old claymation style, kind of the herky jerky motion. And it was just very, you know, it was very detailed for me. The face was elongated. It wasn't, it wasn't like a short face. It had like a snout. The best way to describe it that, that I could at the time was that it looked like a lion standing up on its back legs with its arms drawn up. So it was a dark color and, and we saw it. I mean, and it's something that we didn't really like talk about much. You know, I think I told my parents when I got home and, and they probably made me pray about it because they thought I saw a demon as well. What would you call the lion man if it looked like a lion instead of a dog? I, I don't know. But I mean, that's just, you know, I, I'd never heard of a dog man when I was 15 years old. So the first thing that I thought, because it had a mane, that was what kind of stuck out to me. Um, and then I saw its back legs and its tail, and it, it just looked like a, it was a, a creature. It looked like a lion standing up on its back legs. I, I couldn't see the arms. Like, I don't, I don't remember the definition of the arms very well. Uh, I do the back legs. I remember that. I remember the tail specifically. I remember the face peering down. Uh, the ears were close to the head, onto the side almost. Um, you know, a little, a little elongated in the ears, but as it kind of leaned down to look into the car, I mean, it was a, it was, it was a, it was a scary sight. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't something that I wanted to see. Have you ever tried to draw it? I have actually, I drew it and, um, I, I remember showing it to, I've got it somewhere, but I drew it and I showed it to Linda Godfrey. I think I showed you Boba. I think we were in Michigan and I showed it to Linda Godfrey and she was like, that's a dog man. You know, she kind of, she knew exactly what, what it was. And she was, she was the one that was telling me that some had tails, some didn't kind of a wild, wild experience, man. I was, I was fortunate to have it, but I wish I was, uh, as educated then as I am now about, you know, these type of sightings to try to get more details. That's common though. Most witnesses have no clue. And then, I mean, that's what starts a lot of, when you go to these conferences, the researchers you meet are like Dogman or Mothman, whatever. It's because they saw something crazy and that's, that's what set them on their path. A lot of them that you meet. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, what, what other sort of experiences? At, like you said, you grew up in a haunted house. How did you know it was haunted? Oh boy, man! This uh, we we grew up on a very, very, very large farm. I was a farm kid. Uh, worked hard, you know. Uh, Dad was. Uh, my parents were very, very religious. 
um, in church every time the doors open. So anything that would happen in our old house didn't happen to my dad. You know what I mean? Like he would completely like tell us not to talk about it, that that's evil. There ain't nothing like that that exists. Do you think he had experiences too? I know that he had experiences too, because I was with him when he had one. He tried to shoot. He tried to, he pulled a gun on somebody and shot at them in our, in our front yard and they disappeared. They weren't there. And as he was walking towards them, unloading his handgun, it disappeared. He turned around and walked by me. And he's like, did you see that? I was like, yeah. And then, you know, years later, he would be like, nah, that never happened. I, I didn't do that. That, that never happened. <laughs> so he would just completely deny anything like that. But, I mean, we would see people in our house uh, a lot. Um, it was the house ran adjacent to the, the uh, Paraville Battlefield, which was the largest site of uh, the, the Civil War or largest battle of the Civil War in Kentucky. The, the river ran through our farm, which is the Chaplain River. And that's what the North and the South came here to try to get was water. It was during October. It was during a drought. And they accidentally happened up on each other. And so there was a major fight over this river. And uh, 6,700 casualties took place in just a matter of a few hours. So per capita, it was one of the highest rates of casualties uh, during the entire Civil War. But uh, so a lot of history in this area. And we would see what me and my sister and my brother would call the gray people on our property. It wasn't just in our house. It was like all over our property. Uh, my brother was out deer hunting and, and, and saw a gray man spreading seeds of some sort that disappeared. That, that's kind of an obscure reference. You know, this guy was walking through the woods, reaching in a bag and spreading seeds. And then my brother watched him disappear. I mean, why would he just make that scenario up, you know, if it wasn't, wasn't legit? Um, but we would see these, these different gray apparition looking, wearing gray, you know, burlap-like clothing and just a weird, weird scenario. But our very last night in this house, we had, we had sold the farm and we were moving closer to town. I shared a room with my brother. The house was huge. I mean, it was three stories, five bedrooms, I think. It was just a huge house. And but I still shared a room with my brother because we were both scared to sleep in a room by ourselves uh, because it was so hot. And so that's legit, uh, you know. And and we would have night lights in the room because I didn't want to sleep in the dark. Our legs would be grabbed at night, blankets would be pulled off of us. I mean, it's stuff that you would see in a movie. It really is. So I'm laying there uh, on a mattress. All that was left in our rooms was a mattresses. Everything else was gone. And uh, my brother comes in. It was probably eleven o'clock. He was about 16, I think at the time, 17. So I would have been 11 or 12. He's five years older than me. And I'm laying there. And of course, this is back in the, the early 90s, uh, late 80s, where there's no phones. You're just either laying there or we didn't have TV back at our house. That's how country I was. So he just starts screaming at me and telling me to get out. And he jumps up and he starts swinging, like in the air, just starts swinging. But he hadn't laid down maybe five minutes. I mean, he wasn't asleep. He wasn't sleepwalking or anything like that. And so I immediately thought he was just trying to scare me. So I'd jump up and get into the corner of the, of the room where my mattress was. Uh, it kind of met laid in the corner for that, that couple of nights that we stayed there uh, before we moved. And, and, but I, I set up in the corner and I'm looking at him and he's fighting something. Like he's swinging as hard as he can. So I start screaming and crying for mom and dad. And as I could hear them running, I see my brother fly up against the wall. He like shot across the room and hit the wall. And he's like up against the wall and it looks like something is beating him. And I'm, I'm watching all this, you know, I'm like, what is going on? And the door slams shut. My mom and dad can't get in the door. They can't open the door. I'm sitting there screaming and crying. Finally, the door opens. My brother slides down the wall. 
they come in, they're like, what is going on? You know, what are you doing? And he was like, I don't know what just happened. And so to this day, he doesn't remember that whole scenario. My dad has passed, but my mom is like, absolutely. This is exactly what happened. We couldn't get in the door. We came in. Alex didn't know what was going on. Uh, Something had attacked him. So I was 11, 12, maybe. Yeah, I was old enough to know what was going on. You know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a kid kid. Um, but this is just, you know, this, that was probably the first violent thing that ever happened in that house. Uh, but literally, that was our last night in that house. So it was, a, it was an experience, man. That, that, and I was terrified of it. I mean, I was always afraid of something like that happening, and it actually did. Because of some of the stuff that, you know, we'd be touched. Stuff would be moved in the house. You'd hear people walking, talking, laughing. and I mean, it was literally a farmhouse way out in the, in the middle of nowhere. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. When you moved, did the thing follow you or was it somehow attached to the property? Never came with us. Um, Nothing ever happened in the house that we moved into. And man, I have tried multiple times because I've had multiple TV shows come out and try to, you know, try to want to film something about this whole story. Uh, I've reached out to the new property owners and they want nothing to do with it whatsoever. So I don't know if they just don't want to talk about it or if they're just, I don't know. I don't know what their, what their, uh, what their story is at all. But for the past 10 years, I would say, since I've been deeply involved in this kind of stuff, uh, I've reached out to them to try to get them to talk to me and see if anything's gone on in that house. Yeah. Cause you guys are known paranormal. Like you guys are definitely known in the paranormal crowd. Then actually I was getting a bunch of, uh, calls to go do conferences and appearances and i was talking to dana newkirk and greg newkirk and they said yeah we get uh, a lot of people get booked by the kirklands they do like ghost stuff and so that's how yeah now it's been several years now so me you cliff and got to be good friends with like nick groff and you know you and jen and the whole the whole ghost crew and they all love you too guys i mean it's 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 funny how you know i i, I kind of i'm kind of proud of how i've kind of connected the two because there's a there's a big crossover. I mean, there there really is. There's a crossover um, that I've seen and I've noticed uh, with you know people who are really into the paranormal, like ghost stuff. Man, they're into the the cryptid stuff as well. And and then you know, the cryptid people seems like the the true you know blood and blood and bone people for for Bigfoot aren't as into the paranormal, uh, but there's still a little bit of interest. And I think just you know human nature, you know anything unknown is kind of uh, attractive to to just our human nature. I sometimes get heat about talking about ghost stuff on this show on Bigfoot and Beyond, you know. Uh, but like, but it, it's because well, I've had a few weird things that I would label as ghost experiences, and I've certainly told those stories before in the show and everything. But it's also knowing people like you. Like, I completely trust you. Like, if you say something, I, I as far as I'm concerned, I can take it to the bank. And what am I supposed to do with people that I know and trust and love? Like, you're my brother, and like, you're going to tell me something, I'm going to doubt it. No, no, no I, I don't think so. Like, I can. There's always wiggle room for interpretation and perspective, but if you say these things happen, they happened as far as I'm concerned because I know you that well, um, and I've, there's other people I know as well. And I think that I think the unknown is is a different bucket than perhaps a Bigfoot. You know, just like I kind of think that a dog man is probably a different bucket than something flesh and blood as well. I don't know what that is. You know, I. I kind of I focus my efforts on the things I can do something about, you know, like like, like bio, biological animals. Um, all that other stuff just scares the hell out of me, honestly. So. It, it is, you know, and that's I, I, man, I don't know what at what point did I kind of change and say that I'm not scared of it anymore. 
you know, I can tell a story of, you know, I was with Nick and uh, Nick Groff, um, and we were doing an event at the Ashmore Estates in Ashmore, Illinois. It's an old asylum. It was an old, uh, like, poor farm. And it's one of the, the most haunted places I've ever been in in my life. It literally is this big, huge brick structure sets out in the middle of a cornfield. It's just a beautiful place. Uh, Robin Terry is the owner. Uh, if anybody listening is ever interested in the paranormal and, and they want to have an experience, go to Ashmore Estates. Um, but I had a group there. We had a group. We were doing an event with the Nick Groff tour. And we were on the fourth floor of this place. And I had sent Nick down the hallway and I had a group of people, uh, maybe 15 to 20 people with me. And we were filming Nick as he was walking down the hallway. And out of one of the rooms walks this figure, this, this humpback looking figure that, that I'm getting on video. I'm watching it coming through on my view box, on my uh, infrared camera. And I'm like, oh my God, you all see that. And everybody behind me are like, just tore all to pieces because we're watching this figure walk out of this room. And man, that was just one of the wildest experiences to be able to see that and experience it with all these other people and get it on video. Uh, You know, that's kind of what we all want whenever we do these kind of events. You know, whenever you're leading expeditions, I mean, if you're letting these people get an experience of seeing a a Sasquatch and you're getting it on film, you know, it's just like the holy grail of everything. But um, so as this thing walked out, it stopped in the middle of the in the middle of the hallway and turned around and looked at Nick and then walked back in. And, and, and mind you, I got all this on, on, on camera. So he's turning and walking back down the hallway, Nick is. And as he's getting ready to pass that door, I tell him, I say, Nick, go into that room. So he said, this one. I said, yeah, go in there. And that's where that, the apparition had just went. So once he passes through that threshold of that door, this apparition re-manifests in the middle of the hallway and follows him in. And uh, again, I got all of it on video. And it was just the wildest experience, man. And it's just one of those things where, like, when he came up to me, he was talking to me about it, like, my eyes were all teary. And he's like, you're crying. I'm like, I'm not crying. I was just excited. You know, <laughs> it was like, it was one of those things. Like, I wasn't scared. I was just, I was so excited and I didn't want to blink. And so, you know, I was so focused on, on catching this thing. But, you know, had that happened when I was a child living in my old house, I would have, you know, I would have cried my eyes out and went and hit in the corner. You know, it's just, you know, I've evolved. Uh, to not be as, uh, afraid of this kind of stuff. Did it show up on camera later? Absolutely. Yeah, we had it on. I still got it on footage. Um, and he was saving it. He, he was wanting to film one of his new shows there and then kind of have that into that show. So I never released it out to the public. Um, you may have seen, I released, um, we were in this, this same room like two years later. And uh, I had a group in there with me and, and we got a tricycle rolling across the floor by itself. Um, I did release that and that actually went viral in the UK. Um, I got contacted by some news organization in the UK for that footage and uh, it went viral over there and had millions of views. It was kind of a, kind of a fun story, but um, that place is, is definitely haunted for sure. You've gotten a couple interesting photographs. I remember one time you pulled me aside and showed me something. God, I want to say what, maybe Gettysburg or somewhere like that, um, where there are some foggy landscape and, and there were Civil War era cannons or something. Am I, am I remembering this correctly? Actually, that was in Paraval, um, where I grew up. That was the battlefield near where I grew up. We used to do tours there. Like I would do ghost tours for the, for the, uh, the battlefield. So. You know, they would arrange or we would arrange as our, our local group here um, would take we would sell tickets and take everybody out on this battlefield and do like a ghost hunt. 
And then I would donate everything back to the battlefield, you know, just kind of try to do my part for preservation. But on some of our tours, we would get people taking these pictures. And, and there was one of a, just a, a full-bodied apparition. It's one of the most amazing pictures I've ever seen in my life. And then, like what you said, there was one of a phantom cannon uh, that was sitting up on a hilltop that, that someone took right there with us. And it was just, I mean, it's, it's a, it was a wild piece of evidence. What do you think is going on with this ghost stuff? Are they dead people? Are they the spirits of the dead? Are they just like that idea where there's like a movie replaying over and over and over again? I mean, do you have what I know that nobody knows and I and but certainly you've been around this stuff much more than I have. So just as a novice asking you, um, someone with a lot more experience, but probably isn't an expert because I'm not sure there is one, but you have a lot of experience. What in the world's going on with all this stuff? You have any, what's your gut feeling? My theory is that there are multiple reasons that this happens. I think that there are different types of hauntings. I think that some of the stuff that we see on like the battlefields, like what, uh, what we experienced, um, you know, some people will see a, a soldier passing through this, this Creek bed, you know, on Thursday nights at midnight, you know, it just hypothetically speaking, but, I think that is a residual haunting. I think that like what you're saying, that's just on some kind of a video loop of, of time. And I think it's just kind of, you know, replaying itself. You know, that, that apparition is not going to acknowledge anybody around it. Um, it's just doing what it's supposed to do. And to relate that into some, uh, another part of a theory is that, you know, in Catholicism, uh, they believe in purgatory. And so are we seeing this apparition in their purgatory? You know, that's kind of one of my thoughts. I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not Catholic, um, but I do like to kind of learn about all the religions. I'm recovering. <laughs> you're recovering Catholic. So, you know, Bobo, your purgatory is going to be sitting in the middle seat of a, <laughs> of a United <laughs> airplane. <laughs> Dude, that, that's hell. <laughs> so, you know, but I think that those are type of residual hauntings. Um, I think there are intelligent hauntings. Uh, you know, where you can actually, you know, ask questions and, and, and get answers, you know, on recorders or, or have experiences. And can you do this? Can you make this door open and, and the door open? I mean, I've seen this stuff with my own eyes. So I think that that is some kind of an intelligent haunting. I think that is just some kind of an energy that is aware um, of its surroundings. And it's, it's still here on Earth for some reason. Is it a human en- energy? I do believe that it is human, but, you know or it, at least at one point was human um, because what happens, you know, when, when the, when the body dies, you know, the energy still exists. So, I mean, there's, it, it can be neither created nor destroyed. So, you know, it's still here. Um, it's just, does it have any, uh, uh, any awareness, you know, of to what's going on? So I know that a lot of theory has it that some ghosts don't know that they're dead. Uh, some spirits are, you know, they don't understand that they're, that they're gone. I'm kind of iffy on that one. But, you know, it kind of makes sense in some haunting or some uh, uh, alleged hauntings, I guess, that, that that would be the case. But I don't know. I just I've been I've been around multiple different types and, and I just I, I don't I don't know, you know, as far as um, something being aware that it might not be dead. And how many types do you think there are? How many how many distinct types that you think you've encountered? Like five? Is there three? I would say the main three are just residual um and, and then uh, an intelligent haunting uh and then i think that there are the uh the ne- you know the negative the the non they have never been a human you know whether or not they're demonic or whether or not they're angelic or elemental um you know i think that all these things exist i do i mean if you believe in heaven and hell or in good and evil you know you're going to believe in, in that i've never been involved in a in a true demonic case 
I know people that have. Our friend John Zaffis is a demonologist. He's the the nephew of uh, the esteemed Ed and Lorraine Warren um, from The Conjuring fame. I know you guys have, have seen these movies or heard of these movies. So, you know, John, you know, he's an awesome guy. But what people, a lot of people don't know who are just fans of the movies is that John assisted on all these famous cases that they're making these movies about. So he's been involved with all this stuff. You know, he's got some of the original audio from all of these uh, investigations that they've done that the, that the Warrens had done. So, uh, you know, he, he can tell you about these, these true evil cases that have, that have existed, you know, that are famous. I've not come up on something like that. And, and I don't necessarily know that I, I want to, you know, at this point in my life, you know, I'm kind of doing this for, for an entertainment experience, you know, and, and not just for myself, but, you know, we, we take a lot of people out into the field. So I want somebody else to have that experience, have their first experience. It would be the same thing with like going on a, on a Bigfoot hunt, you know? If you're going out and you've you've seen three, four, five, and you have somebody who's never seen anything, and then they have that one experience, man, it makes you feel good for them, you know. And so I've kind of uh, evolved into that now, you know, into that part of the entertainment. Is that why you uh, developed the Nick Groff tours? That is exactly why. Yeah. So you know, it's it's fun. Nick is great with his fans, um, as are you guys. I mean, and so for them to have an experience with uh, a paranormal experience with Nick would be the same as someone having, you know, a Sasquatch encounter with YouTube. You know, it's just, it's, it just makes it so much more special for, for these fans uh, to have that experience with, you know, somebody they really look up to and that they've seen on TV and that, you know, that they've been following for so long. Oh, and Nick is a wonderful guy. I mean, if, if, if anybody out there is new to Bigfoot and Beyond, um, go back a few episodes, a few months there. And uh, we interviewed Nick, and he was a, a great guest and just such a neat, nice, kind guy and just so accommodating in every way. And it's been a very, very popular episode. I, I highly recommend listening to that one. He's a good dude, man. He really is. He's, um, he's a great dad. Uh, he does have a new show out. It's called Death Walker. Um, it's being played on the Discovery Plus in the UK right now. And and he's working on getting it to come over to uh, uh, Discovery Plus here in the U.S. I know a lot of people have been uh, been on him about it. Well, he's trying for sure. It's uh, just going to take a little extra time. The Nick Groff tour, the, basically the gist is kind of like any uh, like a Bigfoot expedition where you go to haunted locations and poke around and do ghost stuff and see what happens. Pretty much it. Yeah, that's it. So we what we'll do is I'll, I'll secure these uh, these famous haunted locations. Um, I think both of you guys have have hung out at the Queen Mary with us out in uh, Long Beach. That's where I first met you. Yeah, yeah. And so we will, um, you know, we'll do some Q and A and give give the the fans a chance to kind of meet and, and and or ask questions of the of the celebrity guests and and then at the end of the night, you know, we split up into smaller groups and investigate the paranormal on these haunted locations. So it's a it's a good time, and you know, people get to have a lot of experiences. Um, I never will forget, we were in Virginia City, Nevada, and we had kind of taken over the, the town. We had rented out like six or seven of the big locations there. And I always like to start off by asking, you know, in the crowd um, during the, the Q&A is, you know, is there anybody here that's a skeptic? And, uh, you know, a lot of times there will be. They're just there with their wife or with their boyfriend or whatever. And there was a guy there that was a skeptic. And uh, we went into the Mackey. He was a big guy. He's probably 6'4", 220, you know. He wasn't trying to act like a tough guy or anything. He was just kind of quiet, just kind of laughing everything off. And we were in the Mackey Mansion in Virginia City, Nevada. This guy, I was like, you know, if, if you're skeptic, you know, go ahead and, and talk and try to try to interact. And he was like, if there's something really here, do something to me. And guys, I kid you not, he got the awfulest scratch across his gut that you've ever seen in your life. And this guy raised his shirt up. There was whelps on him and he took off. He was like, I'm out. 
I'm done. I'm, I'm no longer a skeptic. I'm leaving. I'm going home. And he left. He was done. He was out of there. Now, you've been dabbling in the Bigfoot thing for a while because you live very close to another guest of ours, uh, Tom Shea. Yep. Uh, man, I, I, I have been in, like, in love with the whole Bigfoot theory since I was a kid, you know, watching the Patty video and reading books and, and you know, looking for monsters and stuff on our old farm. So I've always had that drive to kind of, you know, see one or, or experience something. And I've always been a fan. I was a huge fan of finding Bigfoot. I loved watching you guys go out and seeing all the locations that you would go to and, and places that I would never be able to see. That was my favorite part about that show. Um, that and whenever Bobo would fall down. But uh, no, I would just, you know, I, I've always loved it. And um, I've never really had the opportunity to, to go around here until I kind of hooked up with Tom Shea. And Tom's a, an awesome guy. And, and uh, you know, he, he gets some of the best casting and evidence i think that's out there uh, especially in this area for sure so it's just kind of you know it's been a blessing to be able to hook up with some of these folks that i have and and, and have these experiences and get out and, and look for this stuff now what, what's happened down on one of these tom shade trips that you've been out because i know you've had some activity yeah we were we were in trimble county and we weren't far from his house i think both of you guys have been up to his house and and we were kind of sitting around a, a campfire and, and Charlie Raymond, another local guy, was with us. And I love Charlie. And I, I'm probably going to be going out with Charlie tomorrow night, actually. I'm kind of excited about that. We're going to have him on the, on the podcast as a guest in the next couple of weeks, too. So. Oh, yeah. Charlie's great, man. I love Charlie. But he was frying up some bacon. And so we were all kind of sitting around a, a campfire and uh, just everybody was kind of talking. And we hear like a crack or something, like, some, like a limb broke. And everybody kind of stopped and was turned and looking. And then a limb come flying out of the woods and like hitting trees and stuff towards us. And so we went looking for it and it was dark. I mean, but we had flashlights. I had an infrared camera and, you know, we were kind of all, I had my ghost camera, Bigfooting, just so you know. <laughs> so, but we had flashlights and everything. We were looking and we went to where this had, this area it had come from the, the, the limb that was thrown. And uh, Tom casted a, he said, what was a, a, looked like to be not quite juvenile, but, you know, an adolescent uh, uh, print. And so, you know, I was just super pumped for that. I didn't get to see anything, uh, but just to have that kind of experience was, was awesome, man. You know, because it was very, I mean, you, we saw it on the ground and he casted it right there. You know, it was just great to, to have that experience. And, you know, I'm not saying that that was a Bigfoot that threw that limb, but, man, what else was there? You know, why would that happen? And they were saying that, you know, more than likely it was something young because it was that close to us at a campfire. And, you know, I, like you said earlier, if, if Tom and Charlie are saying something, man, I believe them. You know, I believe what they're telling me. Yeah, there's a certain, I mean, certain people that, you know, you just give that kind of credit to. Like, I'm very open to my friends being wrong, but I don't, the, the friends that I truly trust, they're not going to lie to me. And there's a big difference there. And it just, you know, and I'd, I'd like people to think that of us too. Like, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to anybody if I can help it, you know. And, um, you know, if some lady says, do, do these pants make my butt look big? That's the kind of lie that I might say, no. Um, but in general, like, if you ask me a question, I'm going to be straight with you. I could be wrong though. And that's a different thing. And, and a lot of skeptics and trolls on the internet kind of forget that, that uh, being wrong is entirely different than lying about something. Um, and, and it's okay to be wrong as long as you're trying to tell the truth, you know? I agree. Totally. Yeah. And, and that's, that's me and Tom and you and everybody, you know, like the people I truly trust. So One of these days I'll be wrong too, Cliff. One day. And I, I hope I'm there to see it. Because I imagine you're wrong an awful lot when I'm not there. No, I was going to say, hopefully you're there to see because you wouldn't believe it if not. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages.
Lee, you live you live in Squatch Habitat, right? Don't you guys hear knocks around your house and all that? We have, yeah. Jennifer, uh, my wife Jennifer and my son Mason have both heard some howls out where we are. Um, and ironically, just recently, I think we were with you, Bobo, when Charlie was talking about we were in Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference in Gatlinburg, and Charlie had just gotten a report that was in my hometown, and he was telling us about it, and we pulled up the exact location. And it was the siding was right next to Salt River, which is my woods that I own. I have 25 acres of just dense woods. My woods that I own are the closest dense forest to where that siding was. So that was kind of cool to see that correlation. But, you know, we've heard knocks, we've heard howls out here. Um, I've never had any like sightings or I've not heard anybody talk about anything out here. Uh, and I'm a hunter, you know, I'm out in the woods a lot. Um, I've not seen anything, but you know, I do, I do look along the Creek beds to see if I see any tracks and stuff. Every time I'm down, I would love to see something like that on my property. And just recently, uh, last year, a black bear was sighted coming off my property onto my neighbors and, um, they got the, uh, the the trail cam pictures of it and whatnot. And that's the first bear ever in our County Uh, because bears just aren't, they're, they're not from around here at all. You know, they're migrating, I guess, but. To know that a bear can be in my woods, and I've never seen it, and I've lived here for 16 years, adds to the uh, the mystique that a that a Sasquatch could be here as well. Oh yeah, well you know uh, bears. People ask me a lot in the museum here, like how come? Why do they stay out of sight all the time? How come people don't see them more? And I say, well, how many bear have you seen personally? And they say, well, I've seen four of them. I said, yeah, there's 35, 30, 30 or 35 thousand of them in Oregon, and you've seen five. And you're wondering why Bigfoots are so elusive? Same thing with bears. You know, bears are mostly nocturnal, just like most mammals are. Um, yeah, and they slink around. One of the best books I've read on bears is called Shadows in the Forest, I think it was called. Kind of addressing that, yeah, the bears are hardly ever seen compared to how common they are. Uh, and when you apply those same standards to Bigfoot, it's like, well, it's a wonder anybody sees any of them. Yep. Well, it's just like, and then you got to be out there at the right time to see them too. I mean, that really helps. I mean, we, I mean, we always talk to someone that drives through, like, I'm visiting from Britain, you know, and they're driving through the redwoods and they get a glimpse or something. But yeah, I mean, it's like all the people that say they've never seen a mountain lion. I've seen dozens and dozens of mountain lion, but I'm out at night walking trails. I've heard bobcats out here screaming, and it sounds like a woman just screaming down in the woods, and it's an eerie sound. And I'm like, well, I'm not going down in the woods tonight, boys. Hey, speaking of women screaming, by the way. So uh, you lined up Renee Holland for a gig coming up. I did, yeah. Which is uh, big news. because Now, now, I briefly mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that Lee here is uh, Bobo's and my manager. Um, for, for person, for, you know, public events and things like that for speaking events. Um, but you have all of the finding Bigfoot cast members in your corral and Renee is kind of, you know, sticking her head out from underneath the rock of Seattle and coming out to an event in November. It seems that we should give a little talk about that. Oh man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. I'm excited to have all you guys together. Like I said, I've, I've been a, a big fan of finding Bigfoot since, since the beginning. And finally get you guys all together, you know, now because of me is, is just a, it's a dream come true, but I'm um, having you and Renee and, and Bobo and Matt all in Lexington, Kentucky uh, this November. Really excited about it. Uh, you're going to be attending CryptidCon. It's the fourth annual uh, we had to cut out last year, but uh, it's going to be the biggest, the biggest so far 
within a matter of two weeks, I think our vendor booth sold out. Uh, VIP tickets have sold out, but you know, weekend passes and everything are, are, are not going to sell out. Are you sure? I think they're going to sell out. I hope not. You know, there was a, the last, the last event, what, two years ago, 2019, there was a three hour line to get in. And uh, so we were pretty pumped about that. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be just as big this year. Uh, you know, we had about 3,500 people in attendance that last year, you know, we sold the hotels out and it's just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good problem to have, but it's just fun for me. Uh, again, you know, I, I do these events, you know, I love watching the little guy come up to you all and say, Hey, you know, I love watching you on TV. You know, when I'm standing with you guys at other events, you know, helping out or taking pictures, I love hearing the little kids and seeing how they act towards you guys. And they just look up to you so much. And, and, uh, you know, seeing these, seeing these fans have their experience and, and they all want to tell you their story. And you listen to every single story that that's being told. I, I, I have to be the one to kind of move them along. So the other hundred people in line are, are, you know, not waiting for so long, but you know, it's just, um, it's a, it's a big, it's a big thing for the fan, you know, it's for the fans. And, and you know, I, I, I can't wait to give them a, a chance to meet all four of you guys this, this November. Yeah. None of us, we have not all four been at any location outside of filming, you know, and, and like work, you know, for animal planet or whatever, we've never done an event like this. So this is new for us as well. It's going to be a lot of fun and the f- a first time ever sort of thing. Lorena is going to get a lot of stupid questions over and over. <laughs> there, there will be. I wonder if she's going to be asked, do you really think Renee doesn't believe? Right. Because that's I get asked that every single time. I mean, what if they ask Renee that? Hey, is it, do you not really believe? Well, I'm looking forward to it. And then God, Moneymaker, he doesn't do these gigs a lot. Um, so I'm real excited about being on a gig with him because he's a lot of fun wherever he goes. Yeah, yeah, Matt gets a lot of flack just because his personality is so robust, shall we say. But man, he is a solid Bigfooter and you know he's not willing to lie. You know, he, He's wrong sometimes, like all of us. He's, you can be wrong. He's just like anybody else except Bobo. He can be wrong sometimes. So Lee, the, the, one of the topics we haven't covered yet, which is of course all over the news right now, are UFOs or uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon. You've probably had a few experiences or know little something about that, right? I don't know anybody who has not looked up to the sky at some point in time in their life and not known a little something that they were looking at. You know, you, your mind always tries to kind of say, you know, I was a shooting star. I was a you know a plane or whatnot, and then all of a sudden it, it shoots off or it disappears. And yeah, you know, yeah, I've had those kind of little sightings. I know that you guys know Jeff Waldridge. He works with us as well. Uh, he and I were driving home one day, and uh, we had just watched a fight late. Probably bet Bobo later that night. So I still owe you money, Bobo. But we were driving. We were driving home, and I was like, man, I'd love to see something weird tonight. You know, that's just kind of how we are. We're all good weirdos. But uh, so I was like, man, I would love to see something weird tonight clear night. I mean, we see something shine up in the sky and it just kind of hovers for a little bit and then changes direction, shoots across the sky and then shoots straight down to the ground and disappears. And I was like, there is no way I can explain what I just saw. Like it wasn't a shooting star. It wasn't a, it wasn't an airplane, you know, the, the way that it was moving, the, the light itself, it was just, just this craziest thing. So I, I like to say, it was, it was unidentified, it was flying, and it was an object. So I saw a UFO. Was it an alien craft? Yeah. Was it an alien craft? I don't know. You know I believe that that stuff's out there. I, don't, I mean, I, how could you not? But just to see the government start coming out and saying all this stuff is, is real, that this stuff is actually happening. How many people are out there like, I knew I wasn't crazy. You know, they, they knew that they were seeing something. And I just, I love that that's, that that's coming out. And, and just like what you were talking about with Tim Burchett, 
when's Bigfoot coming out? You know, when are, when are they going to say, look, this is, this is really out there too. These sightings are really happening. You know, I just, I love that we're finally coming around to this. I think once the UFO things, yeah, because Tim Burchett said he's going to, when he, once he chairs a committee, he's calling whatever committee is, he's going to call a Bigfoot committee hearing. Yeah. I mean, so I just, I don't know. I love that the government's finally starting to let us little people, you know, know in on some of their, some of the realities that we already know, but we're just made to think we're crazy about. You know, you know, blows my mind. It's like this stuff's all over the news right now. And it seems to me that not a lot of people are paying attention. I've said the same thing, you know, like I would like to, I would like to hear what Travis Walton is saying about, you know, he, he's like, I told all you guys, you know, uh, this is really happening. And, uh, you know, just to kind of finally get that, that, uh, that verification, man, it's just, but like you said, like, I don't think a lot of people are like, are, are we just numb to it because of Hollywood, uh, that we're just kind of used to the thought of aliens and UFOs. It, it's just kind of a, you know, yeah, look over here, guys. You know, all this is going on in the in the government, blah, blah, blah. But hey, look over there. There's aliens. Yeah, it's, it's just nuts. Because like when people say, yeah, when like a lot of old-time Bigfoot researchers are like, yeah, it comes out Bigfoot's real. It'll just, you know, that's it. It'll be on the front page one day, and then, then people will be over it. I'm like, no way. Once it comes out that the government even acknowledges a little bit, people are going to go nuts. At the, and like, if UFOs couldn't do it, I guess Bigfoot's not either. Hey, Lee, have you ever heard of the... Uh, Melissa talks about this stuff. Um, have you ever heard... Of something called an, I think it's called an ebony. I don't. I wish Melissa was on because she could tell me more about it. But it's some sort of organic thing, an unidentified aerial phenomenon. But it seems to be more organic in nature. It almost looks like balloons. I've seen a couple of videos out there. Most of them are fake, of course. I, I, I do. I have heard of that. It's kind of um. There, there's there's multiple different I guess acronyms out there right now. I, I I can't place them all right now at the top of my head. Is that the submerged object? Have you seen these? Oh, I heard about one of those too. There's video of one flying into the ocean and like talking about, I mean, you can like, it, it's crazy. So are these things living in the ocean or, you know, I, it's just, there's so much out there right now that we just don't know about that. It's just starting to scratch the surface. But yeah, the submersed objects, the the organic objects. They got a daylight, they've got a couple of daylight uh, footages that they're not releasing that blow the stuff out that they've released already. And the stuff that they're letting, like that they're releasing right now is from like, you know, the early teens or, you know, 2010 or 12 or whatever, you know, what are they filming right now? You know, it, it's, they're, they're not releasing anything new, really. I think the most recent was 2018. So you know that this stuff's happening even more and more. I read last week about some sort of a underwater thing that they, they tracked or somehow with sonar several hundred miles an hour underwater. That's exactly what I was referring to. Yeah. Oh, man, it's scary to go 30 knots on top of the water, but several hundred miles. Can you imagine a whale getting in the way of that thing? But I imagine if you can go that fast, you can also probably avoid large, you know, life forms. Crazy stuff. Crazy times. I'm glad I'm living to see it. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Lee, what else you got coming up? Any Nick Groff tour events or any events you're putting on? Yeah, we've got a couple of events coming up. Um, I'm working on a couple of really, really big haunted locations, some of the biggest we've ever done, um, and most famous haunted locations for the Nick Groff tour. So I'm going to be announcing those pretty soon. We have a couple of events coming up I'm excited about uh, as far as uh, the Bigfoot world. We're going to have you guys as well, um, Cliff, Bobo, and Matt, at the Upper Cumberland Bigfoot Festival in uh tennessee in october in october yeah so we're we're excited about that one but you know we're looking at trying to get as many events in this year as we can because you know last year sucked so bad you know anybody can keep up with our events i promote everything that all my clients are appearing at 
uh, at creepypeople.com or creepytalent.com. Uh, we're on all those social medias. And then, of course, I usually promote it myself as well. But you know, we try to, we have several paranormal conventions coming up this year we're excited about. We've got a big one in, in uh, Texas, a big one in Michigan. Of course, CryptidCon is going to be the, the biggest cryptid event out there. Uh, that's ours here in Lexington, Kentucky. We're really excited about it. We've got a bunch more announcements to make there for that event that uh, people are going to be excited about. So, yeah, if anybody's interested in booking anybody from, from the, the Bigfoot world, man, I, I mean, I've, I've, got that, I've got that hook up. So Yeah, they can see your roster at creepypeople.com, right? Creepytalent.com. Oh, creepytalent. I'm sorry. Creepy people. Yeah, okay. So creepytalent.com. All right. Well, shoot, Lee, that was a great conversation. It's always fun talking to you. And so now when we tell the story about the dog round, when we, Cliff and I always say, we met a guy that we really trust. They heard it now from the horse's mouth. I saw it with my own eyes. It looked into our windshield. I was scared to death. And of course, yeah, what I always enjoy having friends on uh, the podcast. And, and of course, most of the people who come on are actually our friends, unless we're witnesses and we just met them, that sort of thing. I always enjoy seeing where the conversation goes. And it's kind of always wide ranging. And just besides just coming on the podcast, thank you for everything, for helping me at the tables and when you're at the events with me and just lining up good gigs and, and negotiating on my behalf so I don't have to be in the middle of it all. Um, just everything you do for us and the field in general. I want to thank you wholeheartedly. Uh, you and Jennifer, it's not just you. It's it's your wife, Jennifer, as well. I want to make sure that she gets mentioned as well. She's the cute blonde that helps me out at my table when we do events a lot of the time. She's got bright red hair right now. So, All right. So, yeah. So, Lee, thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to talking and hanging out with you again very soon because you're one of the people I get to see numerous times a year, even though you live on the other side of the country. Thank you for everything. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much. You guys have made my life much better. Really appreciate that. Okay, folks. Well, that was Lee Dog, Lee Kirkland from Creepy Talent, Creepy People Talent Agency. And uh, so, yeah, thanks for coming on, Lee. And next week, we'll have another guest coming up. So tune in then, hit like, hit share, and spread the word of Bigfoot. All right, folks, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 